How many of y'all know these are serious times and, and serious moments? And it takes serious thoughts. Our scripture reading will be taken from Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 through 8. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When you have it, say amen. amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there dwelt, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation, under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marvelled, saying one to another, "Behold." Are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? You may be seated. <clears throat> what I want to share this morning is being on the same page and saying the same thing. Being on the same page and saying the same thing. It's one thing to be on the same page. But if you're not careful, you could be saying something different. When God looks at us and we're seen in the same place, does he see us saying the same thing? Our cares of this world and circumstances and plagues and viruses and all manners of things happening, is it scattering us or gathering us? What does God see when he looks at his church? Churches can be on the same page by saying we need God. But saying something different on how to receive God. You could be on the same page and saying Jesus is the way. But could be saying something different in the way of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost. They were on the same page, but they were missing the point, the main ingredient. How many can understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
This is why we come together and teach the doctrine of Christ. So we won't be deceived and tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. If it is not the doctrine of Christ, it is the teaching of man. Last week during this past holiday, Deja and Sister Rosalind and, and I went to the park. And while we were there enjoying the sun and the food, I noticed all the different kind and type of people that were there. And everyone in the park were on the same page. But they all were not doing the same thing. They were young and old, tall and short, some riding bikes, others were walking. They had an art fair there. Some were buying and others were selling. Some spoke English, others didn't. Some played in the water, others just looked in the water. There were those playing music and others listening to music. But regardless of the reason being, everyone came, were on the same page, even though they were there for a different reason. No one knew anyone there, but everyone had the same idea why they were there. No matter uh, uh, no one bothered others or invaded others' privacy. Everyone was there to enjoy their day. What we see in this chapter is what is known as Pentecost. On that day, every Jew from every nation was there. They did not know each other, but they were there for the same reason. On Sunday, every denomination assembles together. They don't know each other, but assemble for the same reason. The Jews were on the same page, but in their native tongue, they were not saying the same thing. Kind of like when you stepped into church today. We're on the same page we are, while we are here, but until service starts, we are not saying the same thing. Everybody has their separate conversations, thoughts, and what they will do. The Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost. All that were there could get on the same page and, stay and say the same thing and that same thing is Jesus. The dictionary defines Pentecost as a Christian festival celebrated the seventh Sunday after Easter to honor the memory of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. It is also called Whit Sunday. This Whit Sunday is mostly known in the United Kingdom. It is one of the great feasts in the Eastern Orthodox Church. It is the feast of the resurrection of Jesus, known as the greatest of all holy days 
and it's called the Feast of Feast. But before there was a Christian remembrance of a Pentecost, before there was even a day of Pentecost for the Jews, there was a Passover. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 16.1 for a moment. Verse 1 says, observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Pentecost is a tie-in to the Passover. What they were coming, to, what they were coming together for on Pentecost was to remember what took place during the Passover. What the Christian festival celebration is about on the seventh Sunday after Easter is also in line with the Passover and what they were told to remember. Again, Deuteronomy 16, they were not to eat leavened bread with their sacrifice for seven days. So if you drop down to verse 8 and 9, Deuteronomy 16 says, Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to, the, to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. So what some are doing with Pentecost or the feast, they are attempting to be on the same page for the right reason. But without our Savior as the center point, they are not quite saying or doing the same thing. God knows how to get us on the same page and shows us how to say the same thing when we come together. It is one thing we need when we are together. It is to be on the same page and say the same thing. You can be in the same room, and if there's no agreement, there is no peace. How many husbands and wives recognize that? Uh, you, can, you can be in the same room, in the same bed. And if you're not in agreement, there is no peace. On this day, God used Pentecost to bring a message to the Jews and what the Passover is all about. What was being explained was why the natural lamb was slain and the reason the lamb of God was slain. We learned the purpose of the natural blood that was shed and the purpose of Jesus' blood that was shed. Jesus is that lamb. And it was his blood that was shed for all of us. Israel was delivered from Pharaoh and Egypt. We are delivered from Pharaoh and Egypt of this world. The true Passover is in Jesus. And to remember Pentecost or the Passover is to remember what Jesus did for us on Calvary. What they remembered in the Passover once a year, we can remember in communion. Come on, somebody. Oh, the Lord is so good. And, and remembering what Jesus did is not just once a year 
or once a month or once a week, but every day. And communion can help put us on the same page. And we will be doing and saying the same thing. What we were coming together to do now, we now know and understand. And as far as Passover and Pentecost is concerned, Jesus is our Passover. He is our lamb that was slain. He is the one we should remember. In communion, Jesus said, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death. Oh, come on, somebody. Ain't the Lord good? On Pentecost, salvation was coming to every Jew of every nation under heaven. And today, Jesus has come to everyone who will believe in him. When we take communion, just as they were assembled together to remember the Passover, we are assembled together to remember Jesus and what he did for us. Now, mind, even then, on Pentecost, though everyone spoke different languages, though the multitude had different tongues, yet they heard the apostles use the language they had learned. It was their own dialect. For example, if a Roman presented himself to the disciple, the disciple would not be able to address him in Latin. If approached by a Grecian, they could not speak Greek, nor Arabic, or the rest of the languages. But when the apostles began to speak on that day, everyone heard them speak in their native tongue. For an example, at Kroger's, I have a co-worker that is an Albanian. He speaks no English. I speak no Albanian. <laughs> Just like the apostles could not relate to them without help, I cannot speak to my co-worker without help. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was the translator. For me, Google is the translator. I type in, in English, Google, translates it to Albanian. Sometimes Google don't get it right. Words that are said in one language may not exist in another. And that can be real confusing when you type up something and show them and they, huh? But when it is translated by the Holy Spirit, it is not lost in translation. It is well known what is being said. Let's look at what Peter says. First of all, the apostles were being mocked and the people said they had been filled with new wine and were drunk. But in verse 14, it says, Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Now, whether what Peter said was being translated or whether it was a common language, we do not know. But what we do know, when Peter spoke, they all understood. Amen. Another translation said, 
All you who are staying in Jerusalem, let me tell you what this means. For Pentecost, the Jews assembled every year at the same time, just like they assembled regularly for Passover. And for the same reason, it is something how the remembrance of the Passover and the celebration of Pentecost and coming together to worship on Sunday all falls on the same time and lineup. But there, but here is what we must understand mostly. You can do something all the time and do it at the same time, on the same day, for the same reason. But as it is handed down from generation to generation, one generation will we begin to do it and will not know why or understand. I don't believe everyone then knew all there was to know about that day. First, I was raised in church. First, I went to a Methodist church because that's where my parents had started. As a teenager, I went to a Baptist church because that's where all the ladies was at. And then a non-denomination to where I am today. And when we had communion, as we did this morning, in one of my previous churches, the communion would be covered up. Back then, I, could, I couldn't wait to join the choir because the choir was behind the communion table. And I just wanted to see what was going on behind that sheet. But here, here was the problem. When I joined the choir, we didn't sing on that Sunday. So I still didn't know what was going on behind that sheet. But we, the religiously, religiously, should I say, communion was, was covered. The deacons would sing their songs you know, shake their hands and say their prayers, raise the sheet, dip their hands in water, and serve the communion. When we started more Jesus, we didn't cover the communion. So I still didn't know why they did it. All I know is we don't do it. And shortly after we were in this building, during a testimony service, a woman gave a testimony from her experience down south. She told us the reason they covered the communion. She said the reason why they covered up the communion table was because of the flies. You see, saints, back then in those days and times, Many churches didn't have air conditioning. And some churches didn't have windows with screens. So this was handed down for the reason why they covered the communion table. Everybody is on the same page with communion, but not, but not doing the same thing for the same reason. So just like many don't know the history of why things were done in the church then, Many did not know what the Passover and Pentecost was about. 
So Peter is about to bring what was done in the past and give current understanding of what should be known and done now. Look at verse 15. For these are not drunken as you suppose. See, it is but the third hour of the day. The third hour was after sunrise, which was about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Verse 16 says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith I, God, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. This was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel 2.28. Verse 19 says, And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be burned, turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Listen to what Peter said unto them in verse 22, which none of them could deny. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Jesus, a man approved of God, the God they say they knew, the God we come here to respect today. Peter is telling them this same Jesus brought miracles and wonders and signs. All this was done in your presence and none of you can deny any of it. Multitudes being fed, sick being healed, and some may have been related to you. Remember Lazarus? He was raised. And how about the woman with the issue of blood? It dried up. Verse 23 says, Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Or let me say it this way. In accordance with God's plan and with his previous knowledge, knowing what would happen, Jesus was betrayed. And by the hands of lawless men, he was nailed to the cross and put to death. Verse 24 says, whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. I would like to, to say it in the Bible basic English. But God gave him back to life, yeah. having made him free from the play, pains of death yeah. because it was not possible for him to be overcome by it. Yeah. Death, where is your sting? Yeah. Grave, where is your victory? Yeah. I don't know about you, but that's a good spot for an amen, a hallelujah, and a thank you, Jesus. 
Peter continues to preach to them. Drop down to verse 32. This Jesus had God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Y'all been to the tomb, and you see he's not there. You tried to plot and say his body was stolen. Now, listen to this. Go, go, to, go to Matthew 28. Watch this. Verse 11. Listen to what they did. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. In other words, they paid their money to lie about the resurrection. Saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And, and, and if this come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. We got you back. If the governor questioned what, what we say, we go, we go, yeah, okay. How many have seen that? Here's the sad part of it all. Verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Amen. Amen. Any, many Jews as well as others believe this now. Back to Acts 2. 33. There are so many who do not believe not only in the resurrection, but don't believe he even exists. Or he's just a man. Verse 23 says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heaven, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Amen. David has not gone to sit at the right hand of God, but Jesus has. And it says in the next verse, until I make thy foes thy footstool. When the work of the mediator, being Jesus, is ended, and all conquered to Christ, then all power is given unto the Father. We need to see just how humble and obedient Christ Jesus is. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 to 20. I mean, did, we already knew he was humble and meek. But I want you to understand just how humble and meek Christ Jesus is. Verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterward, that they are Christ at his coming. Christ had and kept and stayed in his place. Just as we must and should. 24 says, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of, to God, even the father 
whom he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all and power. When, not like us. When we get some power, when we get some authority, when we get some position, we don't want to hand it down. In fact, when we get a little power and somebody got power over us, we try to extend our power over them. Knowing you can't do it. This, when it shall surely be finished. 25 says, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. As long as there's an enemy running around, Jesus will rule and reign. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. If the wages of sin is death and death is destroyed, it means sin has been destroyed and removed too. 27 says, for he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifested or made known that he is expected which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. Did you hear what I'm saying? When all is done, Jesus is going to hand it back over to the Father. I've done what you asked me to do. I came down in 42 generations. I stood before all. I did what you said. I died upon the cross. I gave them their life that they deserve. And now that I put death where he belongs, Father, it's all yours again. Oh, ain't like us. We get a little authority, we get a little power, and we do what we got to do, and we don't want to give back. No, I, it's still mine. I don't know about you, but the Lord is so good. Oh, thank you, Lord. When he has gained the victory over death and abolished it, when he has conquered Satan, who is ready, already destroyed at the appointed time, Jesus will hand it all over to his father and sit at his right hand. Oh, that's what you call retirement. Huh? Not like me. I done spent all my years in Ford Motor Company, turned it down, retired, and I'm working again. I done come out of Jesus ain't going to come out of no retirement. Go back to Acts 2.36 and let's close. Everybody look forward to retiring. And when you get there, it ain't enough. 2.36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. Everyone needs to know that same Jesus who many crucified today a long time ago and that same Jesus who we may deny now. God has made him both Lord and Christ. 
And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're going to do it sooner or later, but they're going to do it. And with that, my time is up, and I thank you for